Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is intriguing. It's titled Piercing the Darkness. And joining me is author J.J. Nichols. Welcome, sir. Thank you for the interview, sir. I appreciate it. Well, I've, in talking with you briefly, I understand this is your first uh, attempt to market a uh, a full-blown novel of 300 and some pages. J.J., where did the uh, creative energy and juices come from? What is uh, your story about? Uh, well, my story is about a uh, detective who uh, kind of stumbles into uh, a ring of... Uh, um, abductions that occur, and uh, that leads him into a, uh, a, a series of resorts that cater to the rich and powerful um, that have some very powerful clients uh, who try to stonewall him and stop him uh, in his efforts to save the children that are uh, that have been abducted. Well, in addition to being an author, you you do have a background in law enforcement, if I understand the, the story correctly. So, did you draw from that experience uh, extensively to to uh, craft this book or this story, uh, or, or was it based on on real life events, perhaps? Well, it uh, was based on both. Uh, uh, it's very personal to me because uh, as a child, um, a boy named Jacob Wetterling was abducted in Minnesota. Um, we were the same age from the same state, uh, and it really deeply affected me. Mm. Uh, it it was part of the reason that I became a police officer. Um, but as a police officer, I also um, found other cases that uh, uh, kind of appear in the book and the story in some form or another. Um, a lot of the events in the book were based off of cases uh, or uh, news stories uh, relating to the subject. And so while the book is fiction, there, there's a, a heavy basis in real cases that occur, uh, many of which I learned through my work as a police officer and as a police detective. Would you describe this as a mystery uh, mystery event or mystery a novel uh, based on on some things that you're aware of, or how would you describe it? Is it an action novel? What's the best way to, to describe this to my listeners? Uh, I would say it's more of an action thriller uh, novel. There is some element of uh, investigation and mystery, um, but uh, have, it leans heavily toward action more so than the mystery and investigation. Is, is it a book, or is it a storyline that would appeal to um, a younger audience, or should they stand, kind of could should the parents kind of keep them clear of it? I mean, does this uh, have a lot of violence in it? How would you uh, how would you describe it? Who's the uh, the ideal age for reading this? Uh, it, it's geared a little more towards adults, uh, simply because of the uh, disturbing nature of the crimes that are are alluded to and, and take place, and and uh, that uh, the main character uh, David Silver is fighting against. Um, part part of the reason for the book is also to bring attention to the global problem uh, of of sex trafficking and uh, human trafficking, and so that that lends itself more to an adult audience. Um, although it is not uh, extremely graphic for those that that can't uh, uh, stomach that sort of thing, but right. at the same time, I would say it's it's a, a book geared toward adults. 
Sure, and it is done, the cover is done in dark colors, black, really, black and gray. Is it a, you know, they used to have movies and and series on television that were called noir. Is is it have a lot of those shadows and, and darkness scenes in there where it's at night, or is it just a general theme that that encompasses 24 hours a day yeah it's it takes place mostly during daytime hours um there is some uh some nighttime scenes in the book if you will but the the black and white uh coloring on on the on the uh cover kind of depicts a theme throughout the book of darkness and light Hmm. um the the overwhelming darkness of of the situation and and the light of goodness piercing through that i think was kind of the the basis for that uh that illustration on the cover well it's very effective Uh, it does grab your attention for sure now in uh crafting the characters in your novel uh, did you do an outline? Did you just begin writing creatively and let the story take you where it might and then go back and do editing? How was that done? Well, in this particular book, uh, the, the story itself had been really bouncing around in my head uh, most of my life. Uh, it started out uh, when I was affected uh, as a child, um, trying to imagine what might have happened to the boy that disappeared. Mm. And uh, as a police officer, uh, we do a lot of um, thinking about what could have happened or what might have happened in certain situations uh, and how we're going to deal with that to prepare ourselves. Uh, so this story kind of uh, developed over the years through that. And so I, I had a good foundation for the story just in my head and then when i started writing i I just i started putting it down on on paper and let the story kind of take me where it would and Mm. there were periods where i had to stop and and think about where it was going um to uh uh, kind of plan plan ahead but really it was a, a journey for me writing it as well because at first i did not know where it was going, where it was ending, um, but it really was an exciting journey for me as the writer, and I hope it will be for the readers as well. Your main character, David Silver, is he the type of character that might appear in subsequent novels? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I believe that the this particular novel uh, uh, will start a um, series of novels uh, on the subject because it's something that is such a huge huge problem to tackle that uh, it couldn't be uh, contained in one novel right so this is this is really the beginning of a series of novels involving david silver involving his family and involving uh, the issue of of human trafficking uh, that he'll continue to chase down in future books as a, an outsider not having read your bo- read your your book or read your novel what would be, in your estimation, the one scene that's going to stand out to the reader and they're going to say, wow, that really either shocked me or inspired me in in the read? Uh, well, there's several scenes, I think, that stand out uh, uh, in uh, the main character, David's journey through um, having to tackle such an overwhelming problem. Um, there are also a couple of scenes that uh, had concerned me, actually, as a, as a writer, um, there are some low points in the book because the the evil in the book is so insidious that uh, hmm. um, it it really uh, 
captured the the reader's emotions and and it captured mine as, as the writer even though I was writing the story um I still got very emotionally involved in it hmm. uh and it was something that um there's a scene in which the uh uh, uh co-main character if you will uh, uh Joey Alexander who was a boy that disappeared during David's youth uh he's it follows his journey as well uh, through the the evil world of of human trafficking, and uh, there are some scenes where he really is grappling with his uh, uh, goodness, and uh, it's lost for a period. And some of those are really low points in the book, uh, but they're they're very emotionally engaging. And then once once the reader can get past that, I think there are some very powerful scenes at the end where Joey uh, is. Um, uh, seeks redemption and, and eventually finds it toward the end. And, and having those low points in the book make those later scenes even more powerful. So you would say to the reader, this will have some uh, disturbing moments in your read, but at the end you're going to come out with, uh, if not a smile on your face, at least a positive attitude toward the characters and the storyline. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a very powerful storyline and I, I think has a, a very positive ending uh, which will then continue in subsequent books. Fabulous. Is there an underlying theme or a uh, uh, something that you you wanted to convey, either consciously or unconsciously? It came out. Uh, yes, I, I believe that uh, uh, in really having an underlying theme of 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 good versus evil, but but not just good versus evil. It's uh, extreme evil. Uh, versus characters that are really trying to remain uh, very pure and altruistic. There's a, an overlap in that, especially with Joey's character, where he wrestles between the two in, in a world of depravity. And and I think that uh, that theme carried throughout the book and was, was a very uh, powerful influence in the book. And it really, uh, really inspires, I think, people to to look at the reality of, of their values, and, and it really puts them to the test. But I think it also comes out uh, in, in a theme of, of love throughout the book, despite the depravity. Uh, your early life was Minnesota. Does this novel take place in Minnesota, or did you choose another location? Uh, I did choose Minnesota to begin with, uh, but it quickly um, goes to... Uh, really a, a Caribbean lo- location, um, mm. Southern Caribbean, uh, where where David finds this uh, resort uh, that's catering to the depravity of some uh, element of, of the rich and powerful that, that seeks out this, uh, um, this sex trafficking. And so he, he really takes this journey from the very Southern Caribbean all the way up back into the United States uh, uh, fighting several forces, but uh, it uh, kind of goes through a, a Caribbean and, and Latin American setting uh, through most of the book. Excellent. 300 and some pages, how long did it take to get it where you felt comfortable submitting it and getting it published? Well, I think that the, the writing of it, <clears throat> being that it was my first novel, I didn't have uh, much experience putting together such a, a long, involved story. Um, it really took me probably five or six years to actually write it uh, with with periods of, of uh, frenzied activity and then months where uh, I, I had to uh, figure out where it was going or 
what to do with it. Um, but uh, at the point where it was finished, uh, it took uh, probably a year of editing to really mm. get it honed and, and polished. Um, again, because it was my first novel, there are some things, uh, many things that I learned along the way. And uh, the, the great people at the publishing company were really helpful in, in guiding me through that, that editing process to really put together a, an excellent final product. Well, my presumption is that since you've been through the process, the next novel, if it hasn't already been completed, is uh, soon to be released uh, because of uh, your 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 track record with this one. It probably will be done in a much shorter turnaround. Uh, would that be an accurate uh, description? I, I would imagine. So it's uh, I'm already putting the, the things I learned through the first one uh, into writing the second one, and I'm uh, well into that writing process. So. I'm sure the writing and, and uh, publishing of the second one will go much faster. Well, congratulations. Uh, the title of this book, again, is Piercing the Darkness. My author, J.J. Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. J.J., my listeners need to get a copy of this and support your career. How do they do so? Uh, they can get a copy of it uh, by going to www.piercingthedarknessbook.com. Um, they can also find it on Amazon as well. Very good. And their local bookseller can order it in if they if they request it uh, under the author's name or the title of the book, Piercing the Darkness, author J.J. Nichols. J.J., thank you for sharing your story with me and your exciting journey. Best of luck to you in the future. I'm expecting to hear from you again uh, on another novel, and who knows, maybe a movie director might see this and find it entertaining or provocative enough to produce it. What do you think? I, I certainly hope so. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate the interview. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Story Formed Pathways to Peace. And joining me from California is the author, Dr. Dalton Reimer. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. My pleasure to visit with you. Uh, you have a, uh, a background, I guess the best way to describe it would be in education. Uh, if so, tell me a little of, uh, of your background and how this book got to be written. Well, I have a background as a professor in higher education, 
So I have a long career beginning in 1960 in higher education, and uh, that has included teaching in multiple areas, more recently working in the field of uh, peacemaking and conflict studies. Interesting. Uh, when you say peacemaking and conflict studies, this is, uh, is this an academic approach? Uh, is that the primary focus of what you have been doing? Well, it includes both uh, theory uh, and uh, in terms of a more, I suppose, academic sense, but also in the practice of peacemaking, mediation, and these kinds of things that I have been involved in. Uh, you have uh, uh, titled this book Pathways to Peace, and uh, you have uh, um, approached the writing style as story-formed. Explain to my listeners what that means. Sure. Um Maybe just a little bit of uh, background first in terms of how I came about this, uh, because the book is not something I initially set out to write, uh, but uh, just a little background. In the late 1980s, uh, I was invited to do a series with a Bible study group, which I focused on the stories of biblical brothers. And from there it grew into a series of uh, story-formed lectures presented in classes and seminars in my university, and finally in uh, multiple settings on five different continents. Uh, Mm. So the book is the culmination of nearly 30 years working uh, with this material. Now, why story? Well... Stories uh, in traditional cultures have been a way of passing on the culture, teaching morality, and so forth. Uh, So characters in stories, for example, model both uh, antisocial and pro-social behaviors. And uh, as uh, has been said, uh, most human behaviors are learned actually through the observation of others, Hmm. whether in real life or in stories. So we see ourselves reflected in stories. They function as mirrors, and they stretch our imagination in terms of possibilities. So I I have this, uh, actually, this 3M theory of stories. Through stories we remember, so there's memory, and then, as I said, stories... uh, uh, characters in stories uh, model behaviors, both pro-social and anti-social, and they function also then as mirrors reflecting back as we compare our own behaviors with the stories. So I have this 3M theory of memory models and mirrors uh, in terms of how stories function as we read them. Uh, you've you've uh, mentioned that this started as a, a Bible study, if I'm understanding it correctly. You start you have actually a two part system in your book, or two parts in your book. Uh, one dealing with the I would say Old Testament characters, uh, Cain and Abel, Abraham, Sarah, Esau, Jacob, and so on. And then the New Testament, you you uh, you lead that off by talking about Jesus' transformative pathways of you from the Galilean hillside. How does this fit together? Is this a book that is uh, really focused or or uh, aimed at people of faith, or is this one that is uh, just using that as the platform to introduce the idea of peacemaking and and uh, those types of, uh, of of subjects in your book? Actually, both. Um, 
Genesis, for example, is uh, a foundational kind of work in all three of what are called the Abrahamic religions, yes. uh, Judaism, uh, Christianity, and Islam. And Jesus also is a character embraced by all three, but for different reasons. For example, uh, Christianity views Jesus, of course, as Savior and Lord. In the Jewish tradition, he's a rabbi or teacher. In the Muslim tradition, he's a prophet. So part of my reason for selecting these is that uh, in terms of the Abrahamic religions, they speak to all three. But beyond that, in terms of your second point, yes, uh, these stories reflect universal patterns of behavior. Mm. So artists have picked them up, uh, musicians have picked them up, you know, whether religious or not. People like Gandhi in India were influenced significantly by the Sermon on the Mount, though he did not embrace Christianity. And so there are various persons of different backgrounds, scholars, artists, musicians, uh, thinkers of different uh, type who have worked with these stories and uh, have found them informative and so forth, because they do speak to universal patterns of behavior and the like. So I, I'm, the book actually has relevance for <laughs> a very large audience. And I'm guessing also from what you have just uh, talked about, this would possibly be one that uh, people in management and business might find uh, informative. No, exactly. Uh, for example, in the uh, chapter, second chapter in the Genesis, Abraham Uh, There's a wonderful story of negotiation. How do you approach negotiation? Mm -hmm. And uh, Abraham uh, is a wonderful model in terms of negotiation as he's negotiating with his nephew over limited resources. You know, how do you work this out? Which also speaks to the fact that there's a political side to all of these stories also. And that it comes up as the stories are retold in the book. 188 pages. Uh, your your chapters uh, again. There's nine or ten chapters. They're they're uh, medium in length. They're not difficult to read. Would you call them conversational in your style? That's been my effort uh, in the uh, story form lecture form that I have used uh they the, the that has been very conversational conversational in nature and so i've tried to retain yes i've tried to retain some of that uh style personal style uh so i've not used a strict academic style in the book it's a very informal personal kind of style in fact i tell uh stories from my own life at the beginning very often of of chapters And the other thing that's interesting, too, in terms of this linkage of the uh, past and the present is that each chapter is fronted with a set of of headlines. There are the headlines that are imagined in terms of sort of uh, capturing the ancient story, but those are paralleled by contemporary headlines drawn from the global press. Hmm. And that's part of the uh, focus of the book, the, uh, the attempt I uh, have been making in the, or that I make in the book is to link the past with the present. So these are not just historical stories. They're stories that really inform life 
in the present. Yes, fascinating. The ancient headline, as it might have appeared in today's media, you've listed it as brother kills brother in field. Husband imitates Cain in killing of adversary. And then you go on, and a man kills wife over an affair. And this, of course, is uh, present day, the the uh, conflict that's uh, outlined or, or mentioned in that particular headline. So you've done many things to bring this into uh, our current, our current uh, society and uh, make it relevant so that everybody that reads this can relate to the, co- the conflict, the resolution, and the peacemaking that's part of this book. But that is uh, correct. You've captured it well. I might just cite uh, briefly one particular example of that. Um, you know, Time Magazine, in its cover of October 17, two, 2016, featured the group in uh, Syria, the current conflict, the, that group called the White Helmets of Syria. Right. And on the cover, uh, they included sort of the credo of that group, the saying, whoever saves one life serves all of humanity. Well, that's a very contemporary story uh, set in a context that uh, is just sort of uh, tragic these days in Syria. But where does that come from? Mm -hmm. Well, time quotes it from the Koran. But in the Quran, it's the interpretation, the Quranic interpretation of the Cain and Abel story. It appears in Schindler's List in terms of the Jewish tradition, hmm. and it all goes back to an interpret, a rabbinic interpretation of Genesis 4, the Cain and Abel story. So most people don't recognize the, some of these linkages. In, <clears throat> excuse me. What I'm trying to do in part is to eliminate. Uh, through these kind of uh, connections, uh, current realities, because these stories still resonate today, even though the connection with the stories isn't always understood. Uh, you have uh, recapped or or cap, capsu- encapsulated, I guess would be a better way to describe this, the contents of your book in the postscript, uh, Conflict, Violence, and Peacemaking Today. What is your conclusion, or what direction are you, I would say, forcing the reader, but chiding the reader, informing the reader, and encouraging them to take? Well, in the last, uh, you know, half century, uh, there's been an amazing movement uh, in terms of this whole approach to peacemaking. You know, you can go back to Gandhi and the more activist Thing. And what I do in that postscript, for example, I point out the connection between, among other things, between Gandhi and Martin Luther King in our country and uh, in the United States, uh, because there's a significant connection there, because Martin Luther King learned from Gandhi. But in the larger sort of sweep of things, as I point out in that postscript, the first academic uh, programs post-World War II centered largely on the issue of war. But what has happened since then is we've had a much larger expansion of the whole uh, conflict studies and peacemaking field into areas such as what is called restorative justice Mm -hmm. and uh, trauma healing and uh, and 
mediation centers in terms of community mediation centers and uh, broadening of the academic uh, study beyond just war to the larger everyday kinds of things. Because what happened in one sense is that, as I point out, during the Vietnam or era, uh, conflict <laughs> became a main street kind of issue. Absolutely. And I point out some of the changes that have occurred over the last half century in terms of broadening this whole peacemaking agenda. And so my book, in a sense, is a part of that larger movement. Do you feel like the book itself, the contents, is unique to our generation? Are there other books out there that deal with this subject the way you have? I, uh, there, there are some books that have dealt with um, uh, on the more scholarly side with things like the Genesis stories. Right. But they generally, the scholarly books generally sort of focus on in trying to interpret the stories without necessarily relating them to the contemporary context. Beautiful. The other books that have come out on the uh, sort of a, on the other end of a continuum are more practical books. Um, how to, as I point out in, the, I think in that postscript or somewhere maybe along in the book is, you know, how to win at negotiation and so forth, and they tend to be more how-to books. Mm-hmm. I've steered away from a recipe how how to kind of book. Because the story approach uh, addresses more the imagination of people. As I said, in terms of my comments about the nature of stories, we project ourselves into those stories, and they function as mirrors back to us. So I, frankly, am not aware of any particular story that does this kind of linking of past and present in this particular way. Now, there is interest in uh, uh, kind of books that are, you know, when there's a traumatic event in our country, uh, a shooting or something like that, uh, stories about those, uh, you know, you take the Amish, if you're familiar with that group of people. Yes. uh, You know, uh, stories about people being able to forgive when they have experienced trauma and all of those kinds. There there is a genre of those kind of stories. Mm. But I know of no other book that has done what I am doing in this particular work. Describe for me the ideal reader. Who do you think this will appeal to? Well, for one, <laughs> for one, the stories based in the sacred text convey particular authority to those who believe in those texts. Yes. <clears throat> so certainly that's one audience. What I have found working internationally is that uh, with people in a churchly, religious kind of context, these stories immediately resonate because they're often somewhat familiar with the stories, but they've never particularly thought of the particular perspectives that I bring to the story. Hmm. In other words, looking through this, at these stories through the lens of conflict and peacemaking. Wonderful. So there's one kind of audience. But as I said, there's also this kind of, or the book reflects also, or these stories reflect these universal themes. Uh, 
And so there's a broad audience, basically an adult audience, I would say from high school on up. And I would add to that, uh, there are some things uh, about uh, in the stories that uh, speak to political kind of issues. Hmm. So uh, I would encourage politicians to read the book. I, I think they would need to. Yeah, I, would, I would certainly advise that myself. The title of your book, again, is Story Formed, Pathways to Peace. My author, Dr. Dalton Reimer. R-E-I-M-E-R, Dr. Reimer, where do my listeners get a copy of this book? Well, it's listed on uh, sites like Amazon and so forth, but Ex Libris Press also, uh, you know, is the publisher, and so books can be uh, ordered directly from Ex Libris. But they're also available on sites like Amazon, uh, so books can be ordered there also. They can request it from their local bookseller under the name of the book, which is uh, primarily Pathways to Peace, but it's story-formed Pathways to Peace, and by the author Dalton Reimer, R-E-I-M-E-R. And my assumption is that there may be a website being developed for you as well, so they can do a search under your name, Dalton Reimer, and locate this book. And uh, will there be something else coming out in the future? The, the the website is up. It's not entirely complete at this point, but uh, uh, the website uh, will, you know, hopefully stay current in terms of providing information as it is available. Uh, so, yes, right. Beautiful. Well, just do the research or do the search under the author's name and you'll locate this book and anything that may come in the future. Dr. Reimer, thank you for sharing your, sharing your insight and sharing the background story to this book, which is about 188 pages, and uh, look forward to perhaps visiting with you in the future once this uh, gets uh, launched in, in, uh, every, in many hands and if there is a follow-up book. Thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for the conversation. My pleasure. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our author today has a book that he's titled Harmony's Song and Other Stories. And joining me from California is the author, Carl Wooten. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you, Jay. Pleasure to talk to you. You have uh, been a, I will, I'll use the word prolific writer. You've written a lot of uh, articles, books, uh, special uh, inserts for magazines and so on. Has being an author, has that been your, your lifelong uh, vocation or have you done other things? 
No, I've done, no, I taught at the college level for 50 years. Incredible. And yet you uh, still have the desire to share stories. Uh, have you always uh, been a creative in your writing, or have they all been academic in most of the uh, articles written? The most, most of it has been creative. There was a spell early in my career when I, when I did the academic writing, and then I, I, now, now it's, just, it's just creative, mostly. Uh, this, this particular book, would you describe it as a grouping of uh, several individual short stories? Uh, is that the best way to describe it? Yes, yes. Harmony's Song and Other Stories. Uh, share with us how these stories came about. Where was the uh, inspiration for them? Were they based on true life events or your creative uh, imagination? Well, true life events enhanced by my creative imagination. <laughs> well, that they both work together for sure. Now you got to... You know, a writer, you never... writer can only write about something he knows. Right. But he never writes about anything that happened exactly the way it happened. Uh, yes. he doesn't know, really. Well, this is true. I, I have uh, told stories, and I have a spouse who tells me I'm telling them all wrong. So I guess my imagination and my my ability to remember details uh, doesn't always coincide. Uh, how many stories do you have in your book, sir? Twelve. Twelve different stories, and approximately how many pages? A little over 100, was it? Yeah, let me see. I got it. I had that total in front of me a few minutes ago, and I have forgotten myself. I think it was around 140 or 50 pages. 160, yes. Of those stories, which of those um, do you think will be the most exciting or interesting to the reader? I, I'm guessing every reader, reader will have their favorite, but maybe there's one that's a favorite to you. Well, there's, there's a group that's a favorite to me. Uh, there are, are six stories or about different members of the family whose last name is Rambler. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the stories is called Ramblers and Spinners, and then there are others. Uh, most of them are about uh, the oldest son in the family. His name is Mark. They're, they're essentially coming-of-age stories. But as, as, as I was writing them, and as, and as I think about them, as I was thinking about them later... Uh, it occurred to me that uh, coming-of-age stories can be written about any age. That's true. Coming-of-age never stops. Yep. I'm 84. I'm still coming-of-age. Well, I understand that. I'm I'm uh, not, I, I, I was going to say, not too far behind you. In fact, I tell people I'm 86 so that I can get a pleasant uh, response when I meet a stranger because I don't look it. So uh, I may, maybe you might try that. Tell them you're 105 or 110. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the... the uh, the stories that you have shared must have been uh, enjoyable to you uh, in order to share them, because I think they're relatively light-hearted. Would that be also correct? For the most part, yes. There are a couple that are that are not, and there are one or two that are really, really heavy. Hmm. When you say coming of age, uh, is this book uh, suitable for all audiences, or is it more of an adult book? It's more of an adult book. I, I, with the exception of, uh, I think it would be suitable for a young adult and, and on up, yeah. How long, sir, did it take to uh, to assemble these stories? Were these stories that you had had uh, maybe shelved away in your imagination? 
the one 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 story uh, that summer day I published in 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 uh, the literary review in in 1965. Wow! You know, I've been working on these stories most of my life. <laughs> And you kept them in your top drawer somewhere, I'm guessing, until it was time to publish. Uh, how did you keep track of them? Well, three, three or four of them were were, were, were published in, uh, in, in the 80s, and the others in the 60s, 70s, and, and, and more recently. So. Phenomenal. All of these have been published as individual works uh, previously, or were there also some new ones that you included? Incredible. In the stories themselves, uh, did did you find anything that was a challenge to share? Uh, maybe from a personal standpoint or from a content standpoint. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to there's share? One story, which one? There's one story that that called a, a boy in the woods, in which the, the, the it involves uh, the the abuse of a of a ten or eleven year old boy. Wow. That would be tough to write about and share. In fact, I just yes. I, and the point of the story is not the emphasis of the story. If 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 I pulled it off the way I wanted to and the way I think I did, the emphasis of the story is is on the boy's response later hmm. uh, on on how it on how the event affected him and and emotionally. And the impact, I'm guessing, on their on their life later, uh, later in life. That's implied. Yes. Very good. the the one uh, the one uh, story that is also part of your title uh, has my curiosity uh, piqued. Harmony song. Uh, what is that particular story regarding? Uh, that's you know that's a that's a story I had a lot of fun writing. I didn't know I was going to write it. It's not based on anything I know. Uh, that on, on based, well, it's based on observing some people uh, at a certain time, and, and uh, uh, it's a story about a young woman uh, who is betrayed by by the man she thinks she's in love with, uh, and uh, ends up being uh, a crime story. It was first published in Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine. Wow. And uh, it's kind of it's just kind of fun. I, you know, I I think it's funny, but she gets away. She doesn't kill him, but she sees it happen and she walks away mm. and 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 doesn't do anything about it. She's she's a little too delighted about about it happening. <laughs> It sounds like she may have had a reason for it, huh? It's supposed to be semi-comic. Yes. There are, again, 11, you say 11 stories, I think it is. One, two, three. Yes, I think 12. there's a, a 12 stories in your book. Uh, did you set out to do 12, or is that just how many were available and you, you decided that's sufficient for now? More more the latter. I, uh, I, I searched through... Uh, Twenty or twenty-two or three of, of, of the stories I've previously published, and, and uh, picked out these twelve. Uh, and I wanted to keep it. I wanted it to be large enough for it to be a, a a real collection, but but I wanted to keep it small enough that it's easily readable too. 
Yes, and your style is uh, conversational, if I can uh, com- compliment you on that. The uh, the book itself, uh, you, you have mentioned uh, these stories have been previously published and are shared as a collection. Are there more in your collection that you might share in the future? Oh, that I have not published? Yes. Oh, oh, stories that are not in the collection? That's correct. Oh, yes. Yes, I've got... Uh, in fact, I've written, and, and recently, in the, over the last summer, uh, either published or had accepted for publication, uh, I think, three more stories about the Rambler family and and, and a couple of, of other stories that are part of another group that I'm uh, trying to finish up and, and get ready to do something with. I, I'm noticing also that your education, your teaching uh, position was in Louisiana. Are you missing any of that uh, food style or lifestyle by uh, moving in California? <laughs> I, mean, I, I probably I miss a lot except the heat. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you know, August, August in California is very different from August in Louisiana. I agree. I'm, I'm not too far from the Louisiana border, so I, I can relate to your, your comments. Uh, I'm originally from Canada. So uh, I miss the summers and don't have the uh, deep pockets to reside in Canada during the summer months, but uh, someday I might be able to achieve that. Well, I wanted to, first of all, say thank you for sharing your time with me. The title of the book, again, is Harmonies, Song, and Other Stories. My guest from California has been author, and is author, Carl Wooten. And Carl is spelled with a C. Uh, sir, how can we get copies of this book and maybe uh, and keep in uh, touch? The last name is spelled O-N, not E-N. That's correct. W-O-O-T-O-N, Wooten. Yes, sir. And uh, they can do a search online. It's available on, on Amazon. All right. And, and on Barnes & Noble. And through, through my website, com. CarlWooten.com. Okay, excellent. Uh, Sounds like you are are keeping busy and uh, may have another uh, gift of stories to to share with the uh, public in a few short weeks or months. I thank you for sharing time with us today and uh, giving us the opportunity to to, uh, get some insight into the author's mind and heart and how these stories come together. Thank you, sir. Thank you. My pleasure for Ex Libris on Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. (laughs) 